My first scripture comes, and you see on your bulletin it says Matthew. Well, that's my fault. It should be Luke. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. The title of my message today is History, His Story. And, and before I even get started, the reason why I want to do this is a lot of people don't understand what the Old Testament's about. They just hear all these laws and rules and regulations, and they, and, and, and they start thinking, well, God was mean in the Old Testament. You messed up with, back in the Old Testament, God strike you down. He didn't play around. Well, that's not how it is. That's how people perceive it is. The Bible is history. The Old Testament is his story. The history of God, how God revealed himself to this world. How he created it in Genesis. And then it goes all the way through up to Abraham, 2000 BC. And that's where the time started where Abraham became the one God chose to reveal himself to the world. Luke 24, 13 through 32, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. The two on the Emmaus road. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which from Jerusalem about threescore furlings. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Something about him, they didn't recognize him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another, as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that he had been he which should have redeemed Israel, and beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were earlier at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that, came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near nigh unto the village whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in, in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, the word of God for the children of God? All of God's children said, Amen. Now I'm going to jump over here. This other scripture here is the same chapter, uh, verses uh, 44 through 48. 
And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, This is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witness of these things. Awesome, awesome words right there from God. You are witnesses of these things. Genesis. Genesis 1, the plan of God's creation. God lays it all out. In the beginning, God created. And I ain't going to go through it all because it, it, it would take me forever to go through it all. But I'm just going to start right there at Genesis when God created heaven and earth and all of us and everything in it. It's all laid out there in Genesis. Then it begins in the history. Adam and Eve fall because they do the one thing God asked them not to do. But they were coached into it by the enemy, the devil, the liar from the beginning. So God kicked him out of the garden. And not because he was being mean to him. He kicked him out of the garden for our own good. Because if they would have ate of the tree of life, sin would have lived forever. And God did not want that. So he ran them out of the garden. Put cherubs up so nobody could enter that. So nobody could touch that tree of life. Because God did not want sin to remain in the earth forever. He came up with a plan. I will become flesh. I will go to this world and save my creation. So in Genesis, clear up we go through all these different generations, and it comes up to Abraham. Okay, see, so these generations before Abraham are not numbered. There's no dates on them because nobody knows the dates. It was so long ago. And so it started dating, putting dates on things when Abraham, when God called Abraham. And that was in, in the book of Genesis, and it was 1921 B.C., when God called Abraham. And the reason why he called Abraham is because Abraham was searching for the real God. He's seen in all of the creation, all of his, his family, his dad bowed down to idols. They had these they had little places they'd go in and they'd worship these little stone idols. And, and Abraham, he thought to himself, this, is, this can't be God. How could this little stone object create all this? And, and it just confounded him. He's like, I, I'm, there's got to be something better, something bigger. So Abraham started seeking God. And God revealed himself to him. And he called him, Abraham, to be his chosen person. That God said, I'm going to reveal myself through you and your children and your seed for generations to come. We're going to make a nation out of you. And nations are going to come from you. And Abraham believed God. He believed. Could you imagine God talking to you as you're seeking Him with all your heart? And he actually got to hear His voice. So Abraham said, okay, God, we'll do this. But see, Abraham, he gets impatient. He tries to force God's hand, and I think we've all been there. We all want to see God work in our life, so we try to rush things and push things along and say, well, maybe God was meant to do this. But God made a promise to Abraham that through Sarah, she would 
have a seed, Isaac. And through him, that would be the bloodline for Israel. But Abraham, he, didn't, he, he was trying to push it. Him and his wife, his wife was in on it, Sarah. So they got their, their maid, her maidservant, Hagar, and said, well, maybe this is the way, because Sarah was barren. She didn't have no kids. And Abraham didn't have no kids. And he was 98 years old when God promised him, you know. He's over 100 years old. She was 98 years old when she got pregnant. So, you know, nothing's impossible with God. But still, they were trying to force God's hand. So they had Hagar come into Abraham and they had Ishmael. And that's not wasn't God's plan. And see, so that happens. And, and you know, we all can relate to this. We try to force God's hand and then we end up having an Ishmael. Instead of waiting on God to do His work, what He's planned, His miracles, we try to say, well, this is the way God, maybe He was going to do this. Work through this way. Well, Ishmael, we know the story of that. Ishmael became all these other Arab nations where Israel and Arab nations are in conflict to this very day. 4,000 years later, still fighting over the same stupid stuff. Same devil, same demons, different people. And it's still going on. Nothing's changed. But God told us this was going to happen. Okay. God told Abraham that he was going to make a nation out of them. And so we get into Genesis, where in the last chapters, God told Abraham that they're, they're, his seed is going to go into captivity for 400 years. For 400 years. And that's when they went to Egypt. When there was a big famine, when Jacob had his kids, there were 70 people that went into Egypt. Jacob and his family. Joseph was already there because his brothers threw him in the well. God was preparing the way for him like God does. He prepares the way in advance, way in advance for his people. And so, uh, Jacob and his family go into Egypt because Joseph was there. Found out Joseph was there. You guys know the story. If not, we'll have to go through it all sometime and I'll have to detail everything. But it's the last, in the last of a, a Genesis. Let me see. Joseph died in 18, or 1689 B.C. Egypt, the children of Israel are in Egypt. For 400 years, there's nothing from God. Silence. They're in bondage. They're in slavery. Joseph died. And so, but Joseph knew that they were going to be called out of there. And he said, whenever you guys go back to the homeland, take my body with you. Take me. I want to be buried with my fathers. And so they did. That's what they did for 400 years when Moses was born. First of Exodus. Moses was born. God had a plan. And God used Moses to write all that history. Before Moses was even born, God detailed it all out to him. This is my story. This is how I'm revealing myself to this world. Through this. And so it got passed down from generation to generation to generation. The story of God. Okay, then we go through all the old Genesis, book of Genesis, and you hear of all these bad things happening because people rejected God. God looked down and He said there was none that did seek after Him until He found Abraham. And He's going to start this nation called Israel. He changed Jacob's name. Jacob means conniver, deceiver. God changed it to Israel, which means prince with God. 
Israel became a nation after they came out of Egypt. They were only 70 people when they went in to Egypt. And there was close to a million. I mean, I'd have to get the, go through the Bible to see the numbers, but they were a nation when they came out 400 years later. And Moses brought them out. And that's the starting of Exodus. You'll read that story there. Moses was called by God in 1450 B.C. And that's when Moses was called by God to bring the children out of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses didn't want to do it. He's like, you got the wrong guy, you know. And I think all the apostles and, and the disciples up to that time were thinking the same thing. You know, a lot of people think that serving God is just so glamorous and everything just falls into place because if you watch TV and you see these TV evangelists all live, drive, flying airplanes and living in mansions, well, none of these guys did that, okay? These guys were living off the land. They weren't living in mansions and having all kinds of money like some people think that's a blessing of God. Actually, that could be a curse because you get so comfortable in your life and having everything handed to you, you forget who the giver is. And you start thinking, hey, look what I've done pretty good for myself. So God had a plan. He told Moses, he wants you to go back to Egypt. Bring these children out of here. These 400 years have been accomplished. He's going to reveal himself. And he's going to make a covenant. So Moses did that. He brought them out. Reluctantly. Brought them to Mount Sinai. And God revealed himself in a flaming fire on the mountain. Moses went up there for 40 days, 40 nights, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And this is my covenant that I'm going to make with Israel, with this people. A blood covenant. And so Moses laid it all out for the people, and he sprinkled blood on everything. That's when, the, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But God was talking about without the shedding of holy blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's the only way we could be forgiven of sin is from God become man and pour out His blood. That's what Jesus did. And so if, if we look at this in this perspective, seeing that God is not mean. He's a loving, caring, compassionate God. He cares so much about every one of us and the things we're going through in our life. He made a plan. See, so we're still in Genesis, jumping in Exodus. And God pulled them out of, his, of Egypt, made them wander for 40 years because they kept unbelieving. Their disbelief, their unbelief kept them running around that mountain. Did God bring us out here to, to kill us? We could have died in Egypt. We're thirsty, we're hungry. What kind of God is this that brings us out here and starve to death? We could have did better in Egypt. Murmuring. Murmuring. Arguing. Blaspheming God, more or less. And so God just kind of let them have their own way. I know it's kind of like, I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day. It's kind of like you, you, you got a fenced-in yard, and here's the boundaries, and as long as you stay, you got your family, your kids, and you stay in this, and this fence is God's boundaries. And he says, if you do this, you will live. If you, if you love one another, if you don't lie, if you don't steal, if you don't cheat, if you don't 
commit and steal and commit adultery or fornication, all this stuff. That's sexual sins. Uh, we'll just go there. If, if, but if you stay, these protections will be on you. But if you step outside of this fence, the wolves are out there and the wolves will come and get you and tear you up. And that's how it is with God's Word. If we stay in those boundaries, we're covered. But you get out of those boundaries, then you're open game for the enemy. He's just like a wolf running around waiting for someone to step out of the boundary so he can attack him and take him out. And that's why God's Word is so important for each one of us to understand this. That God is for us. Okay, Israel became a nation through Moses. Joseph took him over the Jordan. Moses died, 120 years old. Joseph took him over the Jordan to start the new land, to start the new Israel, a new nation. And that was when Moses was 120, so that was about 15 or 13, about 1280 B.C. when... Uh, they started the nation of Israel. They went into the land. They didn't just, it wasn't just gave to them. They had to fight for it. There's giants in the land. And people started murmuring about that. They forgot that God just spread the, oh, the, the sea that they could walk through on dry ground. That many people. They forgot that for 40 years, God had provided for them and fed them and gave them drink and food every day. And, and, the, and the scripture says, and their shoes didn't wear out. Could you imagine having a pair of shoes for 40 years that it grew with you? I mean, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle God showed them in the, in the wilderness. So they start this new nation. And then God starts picking out prophets. Here's how I'm going to come to this earth. And I'm going to become flesh. And I'm going to pay for the sins of the whole world that... Whoever believes in me will not perish, but they will enter into my new creation when I re recreate the whole earth and the heavens. God's going to do that. And He wants all of us to be there. This is His story. Now, I, I, a lot of people say, you can't believe that. You can't, that's not, you know, the history of the Genesis, that's not how it happened. But the more they keep digging, the last 75 years they've been over there in Israel. They became a nation again, just like the Bible said it was going to happen, just like God said. And so they've been digging, and they're finding all this stuff. They're finding all these names of these kings and these kingdoms that were there that's in the Bible, but nobody believed that they were there. The earth is crying out. The stones in Israel are crying out. Here's the truth. And it's proven God's Word more accurate every day. So you can depend on this is God's story. This ain't the story of Egypt. This ain't the story of America. This ain't the story of how all these other nations. This is God's story. How God created us. How He created heaven and earth and all the people. How He revealed Himself to the people. Because God is so big, He's so outside of the world that He had to reveal Himself. That you are created in His image. And so He made a plan. He laid it all out in all the books of the Old Testament. And that's what it said, that psalm we read. Psalm 40 says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. And that's Jesus, the Messiah, talking in the Old Testament. Lots of places. Every time He describes Himself, it's the Holy Spirit describing who Jesus is. 
and how He's going to come into the world. A virgin's going to have a baby. Can you believe that? Everything's miraculous. And He's going to grow up. And the government's going to rest on His shoulders. I mean, that's just the way God did it in His plan. Psalms 132, verse 11. Let's go there real quick. The Lord has sworn in truth in a day, but He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon the throne. Right there is that promise of the fruit of thy body. He's telling King David, of the fruit of your body, I'm going to set on your throne. I'm using your bloodline to become flesh. And then I, God, is king. The Lord our God is one. He is king. Now, I'm not going to get through all this today. We're kind of getting, through the, getting up to the, the, the apostles now. I'm not the apostles, but the prophets in the Old Testament. Because there's so much to cover. There ain't no way I can get all this in in 20 minutes. In fact, I'm leaving out so much because there's so many details I've been leaving out that we all need to know that what this book is really about. And God was telling the people, there's going to come a day I'm going to start this new covenant. And I'm going to write my law in your heart. It ain't going to be on a stone. It's going to be written inside your heart where you will automatically do it. You'll just live it. That's the Holy Spirit. And that was going to have to be paid for in blood. So God sealed up the old covenant. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill all righteousness. Remember what he told John the Baptist when he was getting baptized? And John said, you ought to be baptizing me. I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. Because he knew who he was. And Jesus said, no, we've got to do this to fulfill all righteousness because it was written thousands of years before he was even born. This is what we've got to do to fulfill all righteousness. And then he baptized him. And the heavens opened up and a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's awesome stuff. This is miraculous stuff. And it was all written before it even happened. Of the fruit of thy body, I will set upon the throne. That's what God was telling King David in these Psalms. And the Psalms are filled with it. And remember what Jesus said? He opened their eyes to the Scriptures that they would understand from Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, the whole Old Testament, everything that was written about Him, about His coming, about what He was coming to do, and why. He did it because of love. Because if God would not have done that, there's not one person on this planet that would be saved. We would all be going to that inferno condemnation in hell. And God didn't want that. That's why He told Adam and Eve in the garden, you will surely die. And I don't want you to die. You know, they probably didn't even understand what die means. Because they, they were eternal beings. They were created to be, live eternity. Forever. You know, some scholars say that they probably lived in the garden for 33 years without sin. And then they ate. They disobeyed. And you know where they came up with that? Because that's how long Jesus lived on the earth before He paid for the sins of the world. 33 years. And I don't know how they come up with that, but that's what scholars say. You know what? It makes sense to me. It makes really good sense. Because God has a plan on everything that He does. He just don't do random stuff and make us try to figure it out. So realize the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're one and the same. 
They need to be together. We're not in the old covenant no more. We're in the new covenant now because Jesus poured out His blood. So we're not being judged through the old covenant no more. It's not by works. It's through faith in Jesus. And see, this is the gift God has given us. It's the free gift of God. So we don't have to think, oh, I gotta, I'm, I'm messing up. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell because I messed up. I did this wrong. Jesus said, no. I paid for it all in full. Before any of you were even born, anybody in this room, Jesus did this 2,000 years ago. Paid for the sins of the whole world. And the prophets prophesied about it. Here's what God's going to do when He comes. Here's what He's going to look like. Here's the things that He's going to go through. And He does it for each one of us because of love and compassion. And I think that's an awesome story. It's a great love story. It's just like if you look, step back and you look at the whole story in a whole and you look at it like, okay, God, this, this God created everything, laid down some boundaries, and then when we blew it, He stepped in and saved us because He didn't want, want us to perish. So God became one of us to show us how to get back to Him. And He had to live that perfect life. And that's what Jesus did. Perfect life. And then Isaiah talks about how He was going to die. In fact, I'm going to go to Psalm 22 real quick. I'm going to close with this and then we'll, we'll pick back up here next week. Psalm 22. Now, these words will sound very familiar to you because it's what Jesus said on the cross. Psalm 22, it was a Psalm of David. Wrote back in 1500 B.C. Way before Jesus even was born. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy. O oh, oh thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst redeliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All that see me laugh at me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vestures. Be not thou far from me, O Lord. Make, O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. 
Yea, ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied that they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord and he is the governor among the nations. And they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come, shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. Right there, it's, it's, uh, that's all about Jesus. It tells about his crucifixion. How they were staring at him. How they cast lots for his, his clothes. How they mocked him while he was on the cross. If you be of God, come down off of there. That Psalm 22 is, tells you all about it. The crucifixion of Jesus. But then it goes on and tells you that he lives forever. Talks about his resurrection and that his heart will live forever and that he puts that in us. He did it for us. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your words, Lord. And Father, we just pray that you would guide and direct us this week as we go through our lives and, and reveal yourself to us more clearly, Lord, that we may understand your scriptures, your word, Lord, that we may know that you've put, given us this scripture for our, our own good, to edify us, to build us up, to give us knowledge that we're not in the dark about what you are doing in this world today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you for all things that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' holy name, amen.